Uh, let's read the, the scripture passage for this morning, which is in John chapter 8, verse 12. And if you're using your, your new scripture journal, it's right there on page 50. John chapter 8, verse 12. All right, this is the word of the Lord. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. People of God, get ready for the man of God with the word of God. Can I have one of you guys move this, please? Can I put this on the floor? Is that okay, Alex? All right, cool. Oh, no worries. Is this the middle for the camera? Hello, everyone watching on live stream. Sorry, I'm not used to a bigger pulpit. I know I'm getting outside, so all right, hold on. Make sure everything's set up here. All right, good morning. Happy Lord's Day. I'm going to try that again. Happy Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day. Jesus Christ died on a Friday and he rose on a Sunday. So the churches all around the world gather to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know if you guys are having a good week. You're in a good space this morning. Maybe you're in a really bad space uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And if you're there as well, I want you to know that there is hope because Christ did die for sinners and he did rise from the dead. And we gather to remember that and celebrate hope even when we feel hopeless and down. So I just want to encourage you with that this morning. It is a happy Lord's Day, whether we're emotionally feeling happy or not because of Christ. So praise God for that. I do need to do one more thing uh, by way of housekeeping. I bring you greetings on behalf of Bethany Baptist Church and the saints there. Um, we have two of our brothers here and some of our former members are here as well. So it's a joy to see them here as well. But Brother Sam and Brother Art or June, uh, Pam older brother is here with us this uh, morning. So we're, we're hoping to stir you guys up to love and good works and to be encouraged by you guys as well. I do need to take a picture of you guys for our church family just to say hi, because we do pray for you guys regularly. If you are a guest here or you, you don't feel comfortable having uh, your picture taken, just put your song sheet up to your face, or you can just turn around or put your scripture journal up and that'll be fine. I'm just going to take a few pictures here to email our church family or show them later. All right, cool. One more thing before I start my timer, and it's this. Happy birthday or happy anniversary to you guys next week. I was here on your first night when you guys constituted as a church, and Mark Garcia was the first member voted in, though there were no other members to vote at that point because he was there were no members, and then Mark was the first one affirmed as a member. So praise God for that. What a joy um, to be here with you guys and see almost one year later what God is doing in this church. And I'm just excited for what God has for you guys in the future. We love you guys at Bethany Baptist Church. We do pray for you. We love JD. He's one of my favorite pastors in LA. Maybe my most favorite pastor in LA. It is public, so maybe I shouldn't say that out loud for anyone else who's watching. But he's certainly my top three um, favorite pastors in LA. So um, you guys can guess who the other two is if other friends are watching. All right. That being said, um, if you have your Bible, because man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, let's look at John 8, verse 12, but I'm going to read to verse 20 because that was my assigned passage, and then um, we'll pray. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony isn't true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where's your father? Jesus answered, you, neither, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. 
These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the word of Christ dwell richly among us. Father, we pray that now that your word would dwell richly among us, that the light of Christ, the glory of Christ, the majesty of Christ, the goodness of Christ, the boldness and audacity of Christ would be firm and strong in our hearts and minds this morning. Lord, give us faith. Give us eyes to see your glory. Give us eyes to see what um, the, the, the beauty and riches of Christ. We pray that you would open our hearts to receive and feel and love and enjoy and embrace the goodness of Christ. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Give us understanding because we know apart from your spirit, we will not uh, do anything but waste our time this morning and grow in knowledge and hardness of heart and pride and arrogance. So humble us, Lord. We want to tremble at your word as we look at the face of Christ in the text. Give us your grace now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the light of your life? The light of your life. For me lately, it has been the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and that has taken up, I, I wear this shirt intentionally because that has taken up my time, my emotions, and my mental energy for the last few months, and especially the last few weeks. That has been a, a strong light in my life in the last few weeks. What is the light of life? What is the light of your life that has guided your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your time, your energy, your dreams, or your fears lately? What, what drives that? Is it politics? we got an election coming up if you haven't heard. Is it family? Your health? Your physical fitness? Your nutrition? Is it your career or your financial security? Maybe it's companionship, a relationship, or a set of relationships that has really been the light of your life lately. Maybe it's your desire for influence and power and control. What are you looking to for guidance and goal setting in this season of your life? What is your light lately? We all want to follow the true light. We actually all do that inevitably. We follow lights in our lives because we want to enjoy life. We want to enjoy security. We want to enjoy peace. And we want to enjoy a passion, just living passionately, living life to the fullest. The problem is that we follow, we often follow the wrong lights, faded lights, distorted lights. And because of that, our lives get derailed and then we get troubled with guilt or shame or regret or anger or disappointment. And we don't have to be in the dark. We don't have to live our lives in the dark, leading to more pain, more regret, and more short-lived pleasures, like a Los Angeles Laker championship. It's gone already. Oh, it's almost completely gone. I mean, not completely gone, but it's almost completely gone from my heart and mind, even though it was, I'm a passionate Laker fan. And um, though I was happy about it, it's already – has it even been a week yet? Oh, it was last week. Not even, not even a full 168 hours yet. And the, the glory and the shine of that in my life has faded dramatically by this point. What lights are you living for? And how long are they really lasting? Now, here in this passage, Jesus makes a claim in verse 12. What does he say? I am the what? I am the what? I am the light of the world. That's his claim. So Jesus claims to be the light of the world. He says, if you don't follow me, you walk in darkness by definition. So I am the definition of light. And if you're not following me, you already are walking in darkness. And if you have me and follow me, you will have the light of life. Well, that's a pretty bold statement. If I came here this morning as a guest preacher and said, hey guys, I am the light of the world. If you're on PJ's side, you're walking in light. And if you're not on PJ's side, you're in darkness. That's audacious. That's bold. That's offensive. That's really arrogant and self-centered if it's not true, right? And so they rejected Jesus and they said in verse 13, well, you're just, you're just talking about yourself. You're the only one who's saying it. And so they, they try to um, delegitimize and invalidate Jesus's claim to being the light of the world. 
And when they do that, Jesus responds, and uh, you can, we're, we're going to go walk through that discussion, and Jesus proves by logic that he is indeed the light of the world. And we're going to look at that in a second here. At the end, John gives us a comment that he's there teaching in the temple, and you guys have been walking through John, so you know he's in the temple, the Feast of Tabernacles, and there's a festival there. And while he's teaching, nobody seizes him, even though the, the Jewish leaders and the enemies of Jesus want to seize him. They want to take him out. So what is this Feast of Tabernacles? Let's, let's just think about this story a little bit more. During this Feast of Tabernacles, it's celebrating the fact that God has taken Israel out of Egypt to the promised land, wandering through the wilderness. And because they didn't have homes, they had a festival or a feast of booths or tents, tabernacles, where they would remember so, something like this, where they would remember that, hey, we didn't have a house. We didn't have houses for a long time. We were wandering through the wilderness after slavery in Egypt when God busted us out in redemption through Moses and the parting of the Red Sea and the 10 plagues. And so they would celebrate that regularly. And so in Jerusalem, where they were celebrating this festival, there would be every night, they would light up the town. They would light up the city of Jerusalem. The Mishnah, the Jewish Mishnah says this, there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that did not reflect the light of the Beth, Beth Hasha'uvah. And then one commentator says, great candles lit up the courtyards of Jerusalem every night. So this was literally the most lit time of year in Jerusalem. The courtyard was lit. I mean, you could see things at night. You could hang out at night. And remember, this is before electricity, right? So this is candles, torches everywhere. Why do we want light? Light keeps us out of the darkness and enables us to live. We wouldn't be meeting here at night without any light. It just wouldn't make sense, right? Why do, why do churches generally meet during the day and have lights on so that we could see each other? Light gives life. The sun is the light of the earth, right? The sun right now, we're basically um, living right now off of the sunlight. The sun gives heat. If the sun was gone or too far, we would freeze to death, right? The sun gives life to the plants. The plants need life. And if there were no plants, we wouldn't have oxygen as it takes our carbon dioxide and because the air cycle, right? So we would, we would be dead without the sun. So it gives heat. It gives plants life, which gives us life. And even fossils and energy sources in our world comes from the sun. I mean, without the sun, none of that is possible. So without the light, we'd be dead. And without the light, we would be blind. We would be lost, our eyes only see because we see the reflection of light. Now, light is a big deal in the Bible. In Genesis 1-3, after God, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness covered the surface of the waters. And then God said, his very first statement of creation is, let there be light. And there was light. So light is there in God's creation. And then when, when God is judging Egypt for not taking Israel out of slavery and not giving up Israel, God judges them with the ninth plague of darkness. It says in Exodus that the darkness was so dark that you could feel the darkness in your soul. It's not just dark out there, but it's dark so long for three days. Imagine being in pitch black for three days. You start to feel it in your soul. And then God has a pillar of fire guiding Israel through the wilderness. And then the pillar, that Shekinah glory, the shining, shining forth of the glory of God is in the temple in Jerusalem. Imagine walking around Jerusalem and you see the heavenly glory, a supernatural light that's shining out of the Holy of Holies that you could actually just see when you walk around Jerusalem. That'd be amazing. And that's what they saw until they were kicked out of Israel, the land of promise in the exile. But even while they were in the land, David said in Psalm 27, 1, Yahweh, the Lord, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God is my light. God is my salvation. And David would just look over at the tabernacle and see the light of God in the tabernacle. God was his light and God was the light of Israel. But when they disobeyed God and they broke the Israelic Mosaic covenant, they were kicked out of the land. And it says that they were put in darkness. That's one of the images of being kicked out of the land. So Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. Israel was kicked out of the promised land. And then God promises, even as he, as he judges them in exile through Isaiah, God promises, he says this in Isaiah 49, 6, I will make you my servant as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. 
that out of the darkness and gloom, a son of David would come and bring the light. The Messiah would come and bring the light and redeem God's people out of darkness. So much so this this, um, plan of bringing light out of darkness, bringing people out of the darkness into the light is so pervasive that Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 60, verse 19 and 20, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning, your days of sadness, your days of grieving will be over. This was said 700 years before Jesus came through the prophet Isaiah, that we wouldn't need the sun anymore, that there would be no more night. There would be no more darkness. There would be no more pain. There would be no more tears. There would be no more grieving. There would be no more mourning. In the Old Testament, there would be long life. We know from Revelation, there would be no more death. Death would be gone. It would always be light all the time forever. That was the promise of the prophets 700 years before Jesus came. So there they are celebrating a Jewish festival and Jesus stands up in the temple near the treasury and says, I am the light of the world. Wow, what a claim. Either this man is crazy or he's a liar or he really is the light of the world. And this offended people because Jesus said, if you don't orient your life around me as the light of your life, you're still in darkness because you're already in darkness. That's offensive if you don't trust this guy who's saying that. And so they were rightly offended by that. I mean, Jesus is even like low key claiming to be God with the I am statements, right? I am that I am is what God says in Exodus 3.14. And here when he says, I am the light of the world, the only one who claimed to be the light or David claimed is Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So Jesus is claiming to be God. He's claiming to be not a light of the world, not the greatest light of the world. He's claiming to be the light of the world. The only true light of the world. There is no other true light of the world. The sun is not a light in the world. That's what he's saying. It's not a light. I am the light of the world. What does that even mean? That you're the only true light of the world, Jesus. Here's what I think it means. For Jesus to claim that he's the light of the world, I do think he's making an exclusive claim. What he's saying is that all other lights that truly give light are only a reflection and derivative of Jesus being the light of the world. So every time you look at the sun, the only reason the sun shines And the only reason that there's light on this world and light here in Chino Hills today, is this Chino Hills or Chino? (laughs) Chino Hills? Chino, okay, I don't know. All right. The The only reason the light is here on the Inland Empire in Southern California today is because of Jesus. That's why the light shines. And that's why we need to give Christ the glory when we see the sun. And if you don't, that's idolatry. That's rebellion against God because Jesus is the light of the world. So any light you enjoy is only a derivative light of Jesus Christ himself. It's just like how the moon reflects the sun. The moon does not provide its own light. It doesn't generate its own light. What does the moon do? It merely reflects the light of the sun. Now the moon is a great light at night, praise God for the moon, especially pre-electricity, right? That you can still walk around at night, especially with a full moon out because the, the moon is reflecting the light of the sun but it is a derivative light. It would be foolish to give the moon the credit for the light it shines. We can be thankful for the moon, but to give the moon the the credit as if the sun is not the main source of the light is ridiculous because the, the sun is the light that lights the moon, that lights the world at night. And in a similar way, Jesus is the light of the world that lights all other lights in your life. So again, I ask you, what is the light in your life? Is it your family? Is it your church? Is it your friends? Is it the latest political talking head? Is it your political candidate? Is it your favorite sports team? Whatever light you have out there that's a legitimate light for your life, the only goodness of it is derivative of Jesus. And if it's not derivative of Jesus, then it's distorting the light. And it's actually trying to, and actually when we make it the light of our lives, we're actually being idolatrous 
and we're rejecting Jesus. So I ask you again, what is the light in your life right now? In this past season of your life, what has consumed your mind and your plans and your thoughts? Has it been for me, the Los Angeles Lakers as a derivative light of Jesus, where I'm worshiping Jesus through enjoying the fading glory of a Laker championship? Or is it just Laker championship with Jesus marginalized? One is worship. The other is idolatry. One is living in light practically. And one is practically living in darkness. So why should you follow Jesus? Okay, here's the main goal. Here's the main point of the sermon. I got 25 minutes left. Here's the main goal or the main point of the sermon. Follow Jesus as the true light of your life. There it is. Follow Jesus as the true light of your life. And I will say later when I apply this, follow Jesus as the true light decisively and increasingly in your life. But here we have from the passage in John right in front of us, we have five reasons why we should follow Jesus as the true light of our lives. All right, five reasons why we should follow Jesus as the true light of our lives. The first two are benefits from verse 12. Then the, the, the last three are really reasons why Jesus, when he, says, when he says, when he claims, I'm the light of the world, when he claims that, that's a valid claim that you can trust because of the last three reasons, okay? So the first two are more like the benefits reasons, the reasons as benefits of why you should follow Jesus as the true light of your life. And then three more reasons why it's, va- why it's a valid claim. So let's look at these one at a time. Number one, first of all, trust Jesus or follow Jesus as the true light of your life because you will not walk in darkness. If you do, you won't walk in darkness. Jesus says that in verse 12, right? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Do you want to walk in darkness? Then reject Jesus. If you want to walk in the light and not in the darkness, then follow Jesus as the true light of your life. Now this speaks of categorical change and not practical walking. What do I mean by that? The CSB, which is the translation we use at our church, it says, uh, I'm the light of the world. The one who, anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. Here it says, will not walk on darkness. Well, what about when you sin? What about when I sin? When I sin, am I walking in darkness? I'm a Christian. I think Jesus's answer here in this passage is no. Now, I might be committing acts of darkness, but I am positionally, categorically in the light because Jesus is the light of the world. And if I'm in Christ, if I follow Jesus and trust in Jesus and have repented for my sins, if I'm united to Christ by faith in the gospel, then I never walk in darkness, even when I do stupid, sinful, idiotic things that are dark. Acts 26, 18 says, uh, Paul sent, Jesus sent Paul to open their eyes so that you may turn people from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God and that they might receive forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1, 13, Paul says, he has, Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness um, from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So before Christ, you live in the domain of darkness. But when you have Christ, when you follow Jesus, when you decide to follow Jesus with your life as the light of your life, you never walk in darkness anymore. You do not walk in darkness. You have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son who is the light of the world. Now, walking in the darkness means living in the darkness. According to John 3.19, you can look at that later. We're going to go back to John 3.19. It means loving the darkness rather than the light, preferring the darkness rather than the light, preferring sin and hiding your sin rather than coming to the light. That's what it means practically. Walking in guilt and spiritual blindness. When you guys get to John 9, you're going to see the spiritual blindness of what it means to walk in darkness. Even though you see physically, you're blind spiritually and you walk in darkness. That's what, mean, that's what it means to walk in darkness. But I want to encourage you to follow Jesus as the true light of your life, because if you do, you will not walk in darkness. Now, the apostle Paul walked in darkness, didn't he? Before he became a Christian, when he was Saul of Tarsus, or even Paul, it's just a Roman versus a Jewish name, I think, a Greek and Jewish name, Paul and Saul. But before Paul was a Christian, he thought he was walking in the light. And so he was persecuting Christians because he loved God and he loved the Old Testament scriptures. He loved the Hebrew Bible. 
And yet he was actually walking in darkness. Jesus actually had to blind him with a blaze of light and knock him off his horse and say, why are you persecuting me? I am, I am the Messiah. I am God. And Paul was walking in darkness until Christ converted him with that flash of light. He recognized Jesus as the Messiah, as his God and King, and he left darkness and now lived in the light. And we sing this sometimes, don't we? I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy, there's the, there's the light, right? The sin that promised joy and life had led me to the, to the grave, darkness and death. Christian, thank Jesus for saving you from your sins. If you're one of the 52 members of Echo Church, let me give a practical application to you. Okay, I'm speaking to the 52. If you're a member of this church, raise your hand. If you're one of the 52 members of Echo Church, raise your hand. Okay, I'm talking to you 52 right now. First John 5 and 1, 5 and 6 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with God, who's the light, and we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. So here, John is applying this whole idea of light to say, not only will you walk in light, but you're part of a church family who walks in the light. And our fellowship, Bethany Baptist Church and Echo Church Christians who are in Christ, we have fellowship, we have communion, we have partnership, we have unity because we walk in the light. And so church family, keep walking in the light. Keep bringing your sins out to the light. Keep confessing your sins and bring it out to light. Rebuke each other and confront each other and have meaningful conversations beneath the comfortable surface of how's the weather today? What's going on in your life lately? That's fine to ask. That's fine to ask, but you could ask this question. How is following the light going in your life lately? What darkness seems to have a grip on your soul lately? And how can I support you and walk with you and help you follow Jesus? Church family, you need to do that as you continue to grow as a church. And if you're not, if you are a Christian and you're not a member of a church, you need to join a church so that you can walk with them in the fellowship of the light. If you're not a Christian, I need you to currently realize, you should currently realize or realize that you're currently in darkness right now. If you're not in Jesus, you are in darkness right now. Maybe you didn't know that coming in. We're glad you're here. I hope you consider Christianity and get your questions answered here and feel the love of Christ through the people here. But you need to know if you're not a Christian or you're not sure you want to be a Christian yet, that you are currently in darkness as we speak this morning. So follow Jesus. Main goal again, follow Jesus as the true light of your life. First of all, because if not, you will walk in darkness. The second reason why you should follow Jesus as the true light is because you will have the light of life. That's in verse 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. That's what Jesus says. Now, this is the light that produces life. The light of life is the light that gives life, the light that produces life. So it says in John 1, 4, that in the word, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, right? And then John 1, 4 says, in the word, Jesus, in the word was life and his life was the light of men. Okay, so from the life of Jesus is light that shines out into the world. And then when you receive this light of Jesus, it becomes the light that produces life, eternal life in your own soul. Does that make sense? The life of Jesus produces light. When you receive the light of Jesus, that light produces life in your soul. It gives you the gift of eternal life. So that's why Jesus says, whoever follows me will have the light of life. That's the opposite of death in darkness. Even the imagery of death, eyes closed, right? Someone's buried, you, you close their eyes or they sew their eyelids shut. And the ideas of sleeping, of darkness, you're put in a casket. There's no light in the casket. No use in putting a flashlight there in the casket. It's death. And death is tied to darkness. And Jesus says, if you follow me, you will have the light of life. Jesus came as a light to be believed in John 12, 46. And when you trust in Jesus, you have eternal life. That's the point of the whole book. I could summarize all the messages from, from the gospel according to John in John 20, John 20, verses 30 and 31. John says, Jesus did a lot of things, but these things are written in the gospel according to John that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that by believing in Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God, you will have life in his name. The whole point of the book of John is for you to see and know Jesus as the Messiah so that you would have eternal life and be free from darkness. That's what Jesus did for Lazarus. When you get to, to, uh, to John chapter 11, Lazarus is in a tomb for four days in darkness. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out into the light. He sees again and he lives in the light. That's what God does with us. Just like God said, let there be light. And there was light. When you became a Christian, I became a Christian in 1989, in January, 1989. And when I became a Christian, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 tells me how I became a Christian. I heard the gospel preached from my pastor's daughter, who was 16 years older than me, um, in the pastor's office with a bunch of other kids. She used Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not what you do. And here's what happened when I became a Christian that night. According to, to Paul, um, this is what happened, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness or let there be light, the God who said that, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when you converted and became a Christian, God said to me in 1989, whenever you became a Christian, God said, let there be light. And all of a sudden, the glory and beauty of Jesus became all I wanted. And I trusted him by God's creative power. It's the light of God, the power of God's word speaking that opens up eyes, blind eyes, and unstops deaf ears, and softens hardened hearts, and causes the spiritually dead to rise. So brothers and sisters, if you're not a Christian as well, friends who are here this morning, follow Jesus as the light of your life, as the light of your life, because if you do, then you will have the light of eternal life produced in you by God's grace. If you're a Christian here, and you're in a discouraged season of your life, maybe you're stumbling in sin, maybe you feel like sin has such a power or grip on you, discouragement or anxiety has such a powerful grip on you in this season that you feel like you can't break out of it. I wanna encourage you this morning that Jesus has light for you in your anxiety. He has light for you in your discouragement. You say, but Peach, I've been struggling with this discouragement for five years, I can't get over this sin and temptation in my life. Jesus is the light of the world for you. And the truth will set you free, as you'll probably learn next week from John 8, 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The light of Christ will set you free. Brother, sister, the light will empower you. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep following the light. So follow Jesus as the true light of your life. One, because you, you won't walk in darkness. Two, because you'll have the light of life. Now let's get into the argument of verses 13 to 20. Third reason why, from verses 13 to 15, Follow Jesus as the light of your life because he alone knows his origin and his destiny. So this is why when they say, Jesus, you're lying. You can't just say that about yourself. Anyone could say they're the light of the world. How do we know you're really the light of the world and you're not just saying this, making it up? So that's what they say in verse 13. Your testimony is not true. Here's Jesus's answer to the objection. Now, by the way, I don't know if you do this. When I'm petty with my wife or others and we get in an argument, I want to fight over words, right? It's like there's a big issue going on. We're fighting about the kids. And then she says something just a little bit wrong. And I want to cling on to that word and be like, you said this. And then, and I just derail the conversation. Am I the only one who does that in life? Well, if you're like that, that's what the Pharisees are doing here. Jesus is saying, I have the key for you to get out of darkness for your whole eternity. And they want to say, hey, technically there has to be two witnesses. You're the only one saying it. That's not true. You're dying. You're in darkness. He's giving you life. And you want to fight about words. But Jesus goes with them anyways. All right, you want to talk about testimony? Let's talk about testimony. So get to verse 14. And Jesus answers, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. There's the origin and destiny. But you don't know where I come from and where I'm going. So the reason why you should believe me instead of yourselves is because you're ignorant about me. I'm not ignorant about me. So when I claim something about me, I know what I'm talking about. You don't know what you're talking about when you reject me because you don't know where I came from. You don't know where I'm going. Well, Jesus, where, where did you come from and where are you going? He doesn't answer it for them, but let me answer it for you. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 2 says, he was in the beginning with God. And then John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and lived among us. But before the word became flesh and lived among us through the Virgin Mary, right? And then born, and then born as a man, becoming the God-man. Jesus was for all eternity, the God, the Son, forever. That's where he came from. He came from heaven. He is the second person of the Trinity, God, the Son. And they didn't know that about him. So that's why you can reject him if you don't think he's God. But Jesus says, you don't know me. You don't know where I came from. I'm God. And I've been there from all eternity. I created you. I created this whole world. The sun that's shining right now is shining because of me. As you, The logic you're using to reject me is logic I'm giving you. <laughs> you don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know where, you don't know where I'm from. So not only do you not know where I'm from, you don't know where I'm going. Well, where is Jesus going? According to John 14, 2 and 3, Jesus says, I go to, when he's talking to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. So he's going to prepare a place for his people. In John 17, he says, verse 4 and 5, Father, give me the glory I had with you before the world began. I'm going back to heaven is what Jesus is saying. I'm going to prepare a place and I'm going to bring a new earth for my people is what the Bible will teach us. But they don't know that Jesus is going back to heaven to prepare a place for God's people forever on a new earth. They don't know that about him. But Jesus knows that about him. So he says, even if you reject me, I know myself, you're rejecting me, not based on your knowledge, but based on your lack of knowledge. You're actually rejecting me based on your ignorance. That doesn't even make sense. Like, at least ask the question first. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Where are you going? But you're, in other words, you don't want to reason with me about why you're rejecting me. You already want to reject me. Now you're just looking for a reason to do it. You guys see the difference there? It's not a logic problem. It's not a thought problem. It's a heart problem. You don't want me. You don't want me to be the light of your world. You don't want me to be the light of your life. You love your religion too much. You love your family too much. You love your job too much. You love your comfort too much. You love your health too much to make me the light of your life. And because of that, they reject. And so some of you might say, you know what? I'm not for Jesus, but I'm not against him either. I'm neutral. I mean, I don't have a problem with Jesus. I mean, if, if you trust in Jesus, Christians, that's fine for you. But that's, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm neither for Jesus or against him. Well, if Jesus is saying that he's the light of the world and he's calling you to trust in him as your Lord and savior, neutrality is rebellion. Because you're saying, if Jesus is saying, come and follow me because I'm your Lord, creator and master and Messiah. And you say, uh, I don't want to reject you, but I don't want to follow you either. What are you doing to his offer? Are you rejecting or receiving his offer? Rejecting. You're rejecting the offer. There is no such thing as neutrality. And this is why Jesus, Jesus is offensive and audacious. He drives a fork into your life. You can't be neutral. When Christ comes, he comes to confront and calls you to a decision. If you're neutral towards Jesus, you're rejecting Jesus. And you're rejecting Jesus based on your ignorance, based on your lack of knowledge. So if you're not a Christian and you do lack the knowledge of Jesus, there's no better place I could think of you to be than Echo Church. <laughs> you have a lot of Christians around here. There are 50 church members again. Raise your hand. All right. If you're not a Christian, look around at everyone. Well, keep your hands up. You got to be bold if you're a church member here, okay? <laughs> keep your hands up. If you're not a Christian, look around at everyone who's raising their hand. Ask them who Jesus is. If you have questions, talk to them. This is a great place for you to learn about Jesus so that you can get the knowledge to know whether you should receive him or will continue to decide to reject him. But why did the Pharisees reject him according to verse 15? Here's why. Jesus says to them, you judge according to the what? Flesh. So you judge according to the flesh. I, sorry, I'm not going to go through every phrase anymore because I'm running out of time. But you judge according to the flesh. I'll just hit the hi highlights now. You judge according to the flesh. What does that mean? When you see me, you're just judging me based on what you can see and what you already know. That's human standards. But you're not looking at the heart. You're not praying. You're not looking to God. You're not looking to the Bible to figure out who I am. You're judging me according to the flesh, according to what you can see and feel immediately. And that immediate judgment is premature judgment. And because you judge ignoring God and ignoring God's word and ignoring, ignoring God's light, then you can't know me. <laughs> Because you judge according to human standards. 
you remember when uh, we just had the sermon last week in our church where Jesus said, or Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, I'm going to die on a cross. And what does Peter say? You will never die on the cross. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, the concerns of God. You're setting your mind on the concerns of man. That's what's happening here. They're not thinking about God. They're not thinking about the Bible. They're not thinking about salvation. They're not thinking about their sin. They're not thinking about the need for forgiveness. They're not thinking about the fact that they're in exile and in darkness and a Messiah is supposed to bring the light. They're not thinking of any of that. They're thinking about their, their, their personal power, their personal comfort, their personal situation, their own lights in their life. And they see Jesus as a threat to the light of their life. And so they judge according to human standards. And that's why we should reject them. Jesus does not judge according to human standards. The fourth reason, why you should follow Jesus as the true light is because God, the father judges with Jesus. Look at verses 16 through 19, verse 16. Jesus says, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. Okay. You want two witnesses. It's not I alone who judge, but who judges with him. I am the, the father who sent me. So we're both judging in your law. It is written that the testimony of two men is true, right? That's what it says in the Bible. So you need two witnesses. You want to get off on a technicality? Fine. Let's do the technicality. Verse 18. I am the one who bears witness to my about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. So if you're going to use this two testimony standard for my claim that I'm the light of the world, fine. I say this about myself and the father says it about me. So there you got your two witnesses. Now, how does the father bear witness? You guys already went through John. But you can go back to John 5, 31 to 39 later. Read that for homework. Jesus says, you know who testifies about me? John the Baptist testifies about me. The prophets testified about me. My works testify about me. I testify about me. He says, the father testifies about me. And the scriptures, John 5, 39. You search the scriptures, you pour over the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And these scriptures are the things that testify about me. Jesus has many witnesses to who he is. And yet they continue to judge according to the flesh. Look at verse 19. They said to Jesus, therefore, okay, fine. Your father is the second witness. What's their question? Where's your daddy? Where is he? Where's your dad? Now, when they think, where's your father? Where's your dad? Who are they thinking of? Where's your, what kind of father? Earthly father, right. Where's your earthly father? Again, they're still thinking according to the flesh, according to human standards. And so again, they're just, they're just off. And if you don't think of God, if you don't think of Jesus, according to divine standards, you won't know him and you won't know the father. So Jesus' response in verse 19, you neither know me nor know my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. So if you're saying, where's my dad? My answer to you is you can't even know my dad because you're already rejecting me. And so if you reject me, you're in darkness. If you reject me, you, don't, you can't know my dad. He'll say later to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you reject me, you're rejecting the father. You have to deal with Jesus. So I ask you again, brothers and sisters and friends, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about his claim to be the light of your life? That he demands to be the light of your life. Do you trust him or do you reject him? The main call for you is to follow Jesus as the true light of your life. Let's go to the fifth and last reason. Why should you follow Jesus? Verse 20. It says, these words he spoke in the treasury at the temple, as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because what? Why didn't they arrest Jesus, even though they wanted to kill Jesus? According to verse 20. Why? His hour had not yet come. What does that mean? What does the hour refer to? Anyone here know? The What? The death of Jesus. That's right. The death of Jesus. Look at John 12. If you're there in, in John, look at John 12, 20, John 12, 23. Jesus answered, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. And then he talks about a grain dying. How is he going to be glorified? Verse 27. The, the hour has come for Jesus to be glorified. Now my soul is troubled. Verse 27. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then God says from heaven, I have glorified. There's again the testimony of the Father. And then when you get to verse 32, he's explaining what's happening in this hour of glory, this hour of light. And I, Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. What does that mean? He's lifted up from the earth. 
Verse 33. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Jesus is saying, when I die, when I'm lifted up to die, then I'll be glorified. And in my glory, I will draw all people to, to whom? To myself. And so they ask him about that. And Jesus says in verse 35, here's again the theme of light. Look at verse 35 of chapter 12. The light is among you for a little while longer before I die. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. We talked about that already. While you have the light, believe in the light. Why? What's the purpose in verse 36? Why? Why should you believe in the light? So that what? So that you may become sons of light. Okay, so get this. Jesus is going to be lifted up. He's going to hang on a cross and he's going to be glorified. And when you believe in the light, you become what? Sons of light. There's just one problem. According to John 3, 19 and 20. Men love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. We're hypocrites. We're sinners. We don't want the light. I mean, we sort of want the light. But if we just put a big screen up here with all of your thoughts and actions from the last week and just say, hey, you want the light? Let's let everyone see your light in life the last week. Who's going to volunteer first? Right? We don't, and why? We don't want the light. I don't want that much light, Lord. I don't want to be embarrassed like that. I want light that I can control. I want light that will bow down to me. I'll, I'll let you be Lord, Jesus, if you'll let me be Lord over your Lordship. I'll let you be light if, as long as I can control the light. We love darkness rather than light. So we got a problem. Jesus is going to lift himself up to draw people to himself, but we don't want him. We want to tame Jesus. We want a controllable Jesus. And because of that, we are dark. We are sinful. We are evil. We're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked before God. And yet Jesus says he's going to draw all people to himself. How can Jesus save and draw people like us who love darkness rather than light? How would he do that? Well, when Jesus went on the cross and hung at 9 a.m., he's hanging on the cross right around noontime, the sixth hour until the ninth hour from 12 to three, just about from 12 to three. What happened to the whole land when Jesus hung there? He hung in what? Darkness. The light of the world would hang in darkness and the same darkness that judged Egypt with a darkness you could feel in your soul hung over Jesus. And it was dark for everyone, but for Jesus, it was just more than dark. That darkness went to the very soul of who he was. So much so that he would cry out, the light of the world would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The light of the world would hang in darkness and be damned by God, judged by God for stubborn, dark, evil, running from the light like cockroaches, people like you and I. That's what he did. He's lifted up. The light of the world is lifted up to hang in darkness and judgment so that sinners like you and I can have our hearts melted and softened and our eyes opened and our ears opened so that we would know and hear and love and want to come to the light, want to confess our sins, want to repent from our sins, want to hate the sin more than hide the sin and be comfortable in it. Because Christ died for sinners like you and I. If you're not a Christian, I invite you, I plead with you, I call you to repent from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ who died for sinners like you and I. God created you, you're already accountable to him. And we're all sinners here, Christian or non-Christian. So if you're not a Christian, Jesus is calling you right now to decide to follow Jesus as the light of your life and to repent from your sins and to repent from your own righteousness and to repent and turn away from the other little lights in your life that distract you from Jesus and push Jesus to the side of your life. That's what Christ is calling you to do. And if you are a Christian, I call on you as well to renew your repentance, to renew your commitment to the light. What are the little flickering lights in your life that have distracted you from Jesus? Whatever they are, come back to the light. Walk practically in the light because even as you're dabbling in darkness, you're actually not even walking in darkness. You're already in the light. Just live consistently with who you are as a Christian. Why should we follow the light? Because you won't walk in darkness. You'll have the light of life. Jesus knows his origin and destiny. I'm just recapping now. The fourth reason was God the Father judges with Jesus. And the fifth reason is because Jesus' hour to die 
has come. That's why we should follow the light. That was the fifth reason. Sorry, I didn't mention it when you're taking notes. Reason number five, because the hour would come. And I'm telling you, the hour has come where they would capture Jesus and he would die for our sins and rise from the dead. So unlike LeBron James or the Los Angeles Lakers for me, unlike other religions, Muhammad for Islam, Buddha, Moses, unlike pastors and churches and even science for those who believe in science as their ultimate authority and light, none of those things claim to be the sun of the world. Not even science claims to be the sun. They claim to observe nature. Everything, everyone, every authority claims to be the moon in your life. There's only one person who really claims legitimately and audaciously to truly be the sun of your life, to truly be the light of the world. And that's Jesus. Unlike your job, unlike your family and your friends and your church and your finances and your health gurus, they are at best moons in your life. They're moons. Christ is the sun. So decide to follow Jesus as your light and walk in the light as a church family. If you don't, you might deceive yourself as a fake Christian thinking you're a real Christian and you're not. Or you'll live your life on cheap joys, jumping from fading light to fading light to fading light to fading light. But if you do decide and increasingly follow Jesus as the light of your life, you'll draw closer to Jesus. You'll know his peace, his security. You'll know the strength. You'll know his strength as you enjoy Christ with a clear conscience. Growing towards Jesus increases glowing for Jesus. And as you glow for Christ as the light of the world, Christ is the light. You get the light from Christ. As you draw closer to Christ, you shine brighter for Christ. As you shine to one another here in this church, as you shine to your neighbors here in Eastvale, Chino, Chino Hills, Ontario, in the Inland Empire, as you shine the light of Christ, Christ will draw more people to himself. Now there, I'll close with this. There's a second reason why I'm wearing the shirt. It's because Jesus is indeed not only the light of the world, but he is the light of Los Angeles. And wearing this shirt reminds me to see Christ, to see Christ's light in LA and to, to shine Christ's light in LA by me sharing the light and life of Christ with my church family and through my ch church family for Los Angeles. And being here today, is one of the nearest, I mean, other than my church, one of my most favorite things to spend my time on is with other churches and other pastors to encourage other pastors from other churches. Because the light of the Inland Empire, the light of Southern California right now is Christ, but we are the body of Christ, right? You are the light of the world. So let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Echo Church, you are the light of the world. Shine toward one another, shine for one another, Shine with one another to your neighbors scattered across Los Angeles. Church family, Jesus is the light of the world. Follow him and enjoy his life and enjoy his light together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's a joy to meditate on your light, even in silence together. Let our words be few. Increase our hearing and our attention to what you're saying to us. Help us to follow you, Lord Jesus, the light of the world, and help us to spread this light to one another, to the guests here, Christian and non-Christian, to our neighbors and to the nations until Christ returns. We pray now with the saints all around the world, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And until you come, help us to enjoy your life and your light together as church families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.